BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins. And little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Super Bowl week. Do we feel any better? Nope. This week on Pod Like a Raven. I spent 10 minutes trying to come up with some sort of Usher-related pun for the intro, and then I just remembered that I don't care. I don't really care about this week and this game, nor do I think my co-hosts do. I'm Antonio Barbera, and the episode is going to start slow and probably annoying. Apologies for that. But then there's some fun stuff in the second half where we get into Super Bowl prop bets and some of our, our best picks and, and final predictions for that game. But for now, uh, a slow start to what has been a frustrating two-week period with no Ravens playing in a game that they likely think they should be playing in right now. Uh, let me bring in my co-host, starting with Jace Evans. Uh, Jace, do we feel any better? Uh, yes, in some ways, no in others, Antonio. I, I think... The the immediate pit I entered in, I kind of escaped that midweek, I think. But in terms of just, like, reflecting and thinking, um, and I think it's even more so the events that has happened with the coaching staff that we'll get into in a moment, which we knew was coming, but just now that the season's, like, over, over, uh, Pro Bowl's been played and all that, played, quote-unquote, um, it, it's just, like, it, there's, uh, I think, some a finality to it that has kind of made it, more a little harder in, in the last few days like I feel like I'd gotten better and now I'm just right back down as we get closer to the Super Bowl itself and you think about how like you said oh man it'd be nice if the Ravens were playing in this game if they scored more than 10 points that sort of thing so yeah it's a mixed bag um annoyed um some concerns about the future uh and just kind of in in terms of that reflecting on the missed opportunity so yeah, I don't know. I'm not as bad as I was, I don't think, but it certainly could be better <laughs> at the same time. And Tim Horsey. Tim, uh, a week plus uh, post-mortem. How, how are we feeling on, on your end? Oh, just horribly depressed. Um, 
Yeah, nothing's changed since last week. Um, you can go back and listen to the the misery and the and just the absolute dross and finality. I think is a great word that Jace uses there. Uh, from like what we've just witnessed, the team blow an absolute chance. I couldn't, I couldn't do any sports media for like a week, and finally over the weekend, I started kind of catching up on a few things. And one of them, um, shout out Stavros Halkius, the Baltimore comedian who was on Pardon My Take and actually felt great because he lost his mind like all of us <laughs> lost our minds and went off on like talking about how this whole thing, like, and, you know, obviously a bit uh, exaggerated, but went off on like bits about, and you can listen to this, it's a way more popular podcast, obviously, of like, they only want to sell Stanley Cups to little girls with <laughs> Chiefs things on it now and like doing the whole thing. And I felt s- that kind of felt good but then i realized i'm just as mad i'm just as upset <laughs> and he listened to like bill simmons today and he's like man thinking about it the ravens really blew it and i turned it off i was just like I, I i tried i tried to get back into my normal rotation and i can't do it anymore um so yeah i'm doing miserable and then there's some um you know some departures we have to talk about that makes it feel even worse and uh yeah yeah not great antonio overall just really really depressed and sad and this is the Super Bowl, I've had to, st- like, watch a ton of Patriots Super Bowls that I hated. I don't think I'm going to hate watch a Super Bowl more than this Super Bowl uh, coming up on Sunday. So, yeah, let's get into it. It's going to be great. <laughs> and here we are to talk fun, fun times yeah. with all of you. Let me tell you something else that I would talk about prop bets. I would bet Tim did not watch uh, was anything related to the Pro Bowl uh, the past week. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't watch, <laughs> but you can't escape the social media like clips as you're scrolling through. And I got to be honest, you would see the little short videos and photos of the Ravens that were there. And even that kind of irritated me and bummed me out because they shouldn't be there. They shouldn't be in their purple T-shirts playing flag football. They should be in Las Vegas preparing for the biggest game of their career. OK, all right. <laughs> so let's talk about. Ah! <laughs> Let's talk about real things that happened, and that's the coaching changes that we touched on seemingly for the past six weeks, uh, at least in some respect, knowing that a couple of these guys were going to be out the door to to bigger and better things. And we'll start with the biggest name, Mike McDonald, uh, officially named head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, so he is out. And then a couple other names started to trickle out kind of quickly. Uh, Anthony Weaver, who was an assistant head coach and defensive line coach for the Ravens. He has gone to Miami to be their defensive coordinator. And then Denard Wilson, who was our defensive backs coach, has gone to the Titans to be their defensive coordinator. There was a, a brief period of time before the McDonald news had kind of become official that I was getting concerned they were going to lose all the assistants first and then him, and there wouldn't be any assistants for the Ravens to actually promote to defensive coordinator. But there was one left, and it was Zach Orr, and he has now been moved up pretty quickly after the McDonald news to be the new defensive coordinator. And I'm going to stop there with all this movement, and um, boy, I mean, some sadness, and then I guess some hope. I have a little bit of concern with Orr based on just how green he is as a coach, but he is loved in that organization, loved in the building, and they picked him over some other guys who they could have theoretically given that spot to, so I'm curious as to your... Your thoughts on uh, on the movement of the, the coaching ranks for the Ravens? Yeah, I think it's hard to know exactly what he's going to bring, what's going to change. But frankly, I'm very cool with them going in-house. 
this is a very Ravens move, uh, and we've seen them do this in the past where when they lose their star defensive coordinator, they promote from within a guy who's going to have some of the same ideas. Clearly a guy loved in the building. Um, you, you search his name in one of the first videos that comes up, and again, it's from the Ravens website, so take it with you know, a, a healthy scoop of salt. But he says, Zach Orr's vision for the defense is, quote, violent execution. <laughs> and that does something to me, but this is a family show. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm with it. I, I'm, I'm very glad, and I know this was not an option, but it's just throwing out a name. I'm pretty glad that they kind of went with their own guy, a guy who knows these players, a guy who knows this system, a guy who might want to have his own variations on said system and not like a, a Vic Fangio type or something like that. Or like, a, you know, high, I know he was already with the Eagles and what have you, but like an a high profile defensive name that they bring in and maybe doesn't use Kyle Hamilton the correct way. Maybe doesn't have a plan for Justin Matabike, God willing, he's still here, to like be that violent force on the defensive line. Doesn't have these same blitz concepts to kind of get pressure from everywhere that you, you know, positive spin, assume is going to remain the case with the guy who has learned under Mike McDonald. And and then look, like sentimentally, we all know Zach Orr, you know, I, I remember was a random Raven way back in the early days of Pod Like a Raven that Antonio did, I believe, that like reads out all these stats and we're just like, Jesus Christ, who? Oh, yeah, Zach, like an incredible player in his time who had his career cut short through injury. Really cool for the Ravens to kind of bring him in, nurture him, and then look, they're not giving him this role sentimentally. They're giving him this role because they think he's ready for it. But overall, it's just a very cool story too. And, you know... He's going to have to deal with some, um, s- some some departures, which we'll get into in a second. But, I, I you know, I'm excited that they, they kind of hired the, for what, it, you know, for lack of a better term, the local lad to kind of keep this thing going. Well, and I am too, just because, like, if he had somehow gone out the door and there were reports that he had an offer to be the Packers defensive coordinator, that I guess he might have turned down just knowing that he was going to be uh, the Ravens defensive coordinator. Um but if you lose him, it's basically every position coach. Like, your your entire defensive staff is just gone. And for a defense that was so good, I I feel like you don't want to just be starting over with someone from the outside. I, you know, it w- remains to be seen how Orr will do. Uh, he is crazy young for a coordinator. He's only 31, um, which is pretty impressive, pretty meteoric rise. And like you said, Tim, for a guy who had a spine injury that cut short his career after he, he was – he was named second team all pro in 2016 and then has to retire due to injury and he gets coaching. So for him, you know, if he succeeds, he seems like he's on the fast track to a head coaching job one day, but a lot of time to go. Hopefully he just fields a competent defense next year and all that. But it's weird with all the, like the brain drain and just all the departures. Cause it's like, I feel like I can maybe speak for all of us that McDonald is like the one we all do. I think was going to leave, and there was a brief glimmer. We of didn't. Hope. We didn't want to. We didn't want to believe it towards the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a brief glimmer of hope. I would say, I guess after the Raheem Morris hire, uh, and like when Dave Canales got hired, I think that was all on the same day or close close together. Um, when it when it seemed like there was a real chance he might, when it was just the Seahawks job and just the Commanders job. Seemed like he might stick around. And then you saw that report. I think it was even, I don't know. I think it was before the title game even where Schefter was like, 
uh, oh, the Seahawks are interested in talking to McDonald. And at that point, I was like, well, okay, well, he might be their guy then. So I was kind of prepared for that. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Wilson, you, he leaves for the Titans job, um, DC job. So, you know, secondary's coach, DB's coach, not too shocking a departure. But the interesting thing, I think, is that uh, you, I think you mentioned this, Antonio, but they chose... Zach Orr basically over Anthony Weaver is what it sounds like um, because they were both still on the staff um, after McDonald lived and uh, you know, they elect to promote Weaver uh, or they elect to promote or excuse me. And then Weaver leaves. Although Harbaugh had mentioned that he was like, Oh, like Weaver might leave for this opportunity or whatever. One of his press conferences. So maybe they knew he was talking to the dolphins and they just decided to go with, Orr. we don't totally know at this point, but that was kind of interesting just because, you know, you see the guy with the assistant head coach label. Kinda, From Zarebeck's piece, by the way, like it just says they instead of risk losing or they opted to promote him, quote, eschewing a few other coveted internal candidates. Mm, so just Anthony Weaver. Yeah, <laughs> there's only so many. people. Again, when everyone else was already gone, there's only so many people that could be. And yeah, that's what interested me is just the guy with that assistant head coach label um, getting passed over. Uh, for the DC job, but uh, you know, wish Anthony Weaver luck. Um, it, it's hard to say how any of these guys will do, really. But I just kind of thought that was kind of kind of interesting that it came down to Orr versus Weaver, and they actually went with the uh, guy who's probably what a good decade younger at least in Orr. So that's kind of interesting. Clearly, they think a lot of him, but uh, yeah, I think it's a good move. It stinks to lose Mike back, but as good as the defense was this year, that that seemed like it was set in stone. And really the only surprise was how long it took. But, you know, I think he's landing a great spot. The Seahawks are clearly a smart team, uh, as evidenced by them hiring Mike McDonald, I think. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think he could find some success uh, for sure. So it stinks that they all left. And, uh, yeah, I think that we were talking sort of about how, in some ways, it feels worse. Um, like, I hope and think Zach Gore could do a good job, but like the defense just is going to be worse <laughs> next year. You lose all these coaches. Uh, it's not going to improve upon what they did. So that's, that's why I think what's disappointing kind of reflecting, just kind of reflecting on the season and, and, and heading forward now after all these guys have like officially sort of walked out the door. Yeah, I do wonder if the or over Weaver decision is in part how soon would these guys look for the next step? Like I could kind of see the Weaver thing being like, he will be gone after one year. He's, I think, I think Harbaugh did mention at a certain point, Weaver's going to be like a head coach in this league. Like I can see that happening and just wanting to go for a guy that they really like is younger, but maybe they can kind of see there in that role for a few more years, as opposed to having to start all over again uh, after a season or two, assuming things go well. Um, the the issue the, the note that Jace made about you never you know you never really know how these coaching hires can work some names that sounded great ended up not going well and then some coordinators you've never heard of end up doing a really great job in other roles the the McDonald stuff is going to be interesting I mean the one thing that I wanted to bring up about the defense that he left I, I wanted to bring this up last week but was too sad and depressed was hmm. running through the starters, you know, maybe a few extra names on the defense. And I'm actually going to I'm going to do this exercise on the air. I'm going to run through these names and think in your head, was this past season the best season of their career? And it's a pretty frightening number in my opinion. Justin Matabike, 
Michael Pierce, Broderick Washington, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, Jadevian Clowney, <laughs> Kyle Van Noy, Brandon Stevens, Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Williams, Marlon Humphrey, Geno Stone. Even maybe Arthur Millette. You throw that name in there as like a small piece. Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby. If he, I had him as like a, maybe a fringe. Same thing with Millette, really, because they had such small roles. But of those big name pieces, nine? <laughs> Were you counting that, Tim? It was uh, almost double digits, and that's scary. It's basically just not Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Williams, and then you can kind of argue <laughs> Michael Pierce. Everybody else had their career year last year on the defensive side of the ball, and that coordinator, that guy who orchestrated all that, is now gone. We have our concerns uh, on Pod Like a Raven about how you go from there with, with that with that group of players, but that's that's the challenge to Zach Orr. I would, I would just, a small, we don't have to debate this, a small refute on Kyle Hamilton, too, because, like, second-year guy, I think I'd... I think by the end of his career, we're not saying this was his best season ever. If we're saying this is his best season ever, then we're we got some problems there. Um, but but the the point does stand. I, I will just say too on the Zach Orr thing, and like you you know you've noticed we're not really focusing on Mike McDonald because uh, Fan Sided has a Seattle Seahawks podcast, and you can go find that and listen to it. Um, and congratulations to them. I think they made the right hire. Um, annoyingly, the penul- <laughs> penultimate guy to get hired, and then. Uh, the commanders got stuck with Dan Quinn, which is still funny. It's still very, very funny. Although maybe it's Dan Campbell 2.0. Who knows? Um, with Zach Orr, though, I think the other thing, too, that we should mention is his his incredible relationship already with like a Roquan Smith, who is the leader on the field, and, and Zach Orr is the leader off the field. The players love him. He's clearly still got that young energy, which I think is important, like more important now than it's ever been in a way to connect to players is kind of being being able to connect with them, I should say. Not just being the old, like, patriarch, militant coach. Like, it just doesn't work as much anymore, as much as, you know, sometimes we can debate that it probably should because um, some of these guys need that. But he clearly is just one of the guys calling the defensive plays, which I think is a positive in today's NFL, um, especially when you have an established leader like a Roquan Smith who is basically, like, your right-hand man there too. So look, it, it, is this me coping? Yeah, it's me coping. <laughs> I didn't want to lose Mike McDonald. I thought that there was a chance that, like Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick didn't get jobs in this cycle. Like we thought that they were going to get jobs in this cycle, and there was only two jobs left, and it all looked okay, sort of. And then you know reality came and slapped us in the face, <laughs> but. I think they did what was best with what they were given. Um, and as Jace has said many times in the Patreon exclusive to Pot Like a Raven text thread, this is what happens when you're good. Like, the the, the only people that don't lose guys is like Andy Reid doesn't go, doesn't leave Kansas City. And like, the enemy finally left and then look, what, look what's happened there. He's not even with the commanders anymore. Like, they have old guy Steve Spagnolo. Maybe the argument... It, maybe that's the argument for old guys because they, if they're good, they just won't leave because they're like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm cool here. But you know, when you're a developmental staff and a developmental team like the Ravens always are, when they draft well and lose guys, good segue, Antonio. Here it comes. Um, you know, this is kind of what the hand you're going to be dealt constantly, and and let's hope that they can just kind of find some of that form again. 
I do want to mention one other thing before we do segue into more depression. Uh, kind of another small news coaching note that that came out today, uh, and it's not official yet. It's just a, per Tom Pelissero. Jerry Rosberg, who was the Ravens' former special teams coach, is reportedly coming back in a game management role to the Ravens. I don't know if this is a he's really here to put pressure on the special teams coach that did not have its greatest season and he'd be able to step right in, or if it is purely the game management experience, but I kind of hate that I like this hire. And it's such a small, marginal decision but it shows me that the Ravens, they know they have issues and they try to address them in the best way that they can. This is what happened a year ago. They had these disastrous injuries and they changed the strength and conditioning coach. And then guess what? The injuries weren't nearly as bad this year. They had terrible game management in a couple of different spots last season. They they see it, they address it, they acknowledge it, they don't shy away from it. They bring in a coach to try to deal with that very specific aspect Jerry Rosberg, a veteran, knows Baltimore, knows the Ravens, knows John Harbaugh. This is not going to win the Ravens, you know, four more games next season. But maybe they make a good decision in uh, in a two-minute drill here. They call a timeout in the right spot there, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, actually, you know, Rosberg was all over that. And it tilts a game at some point in the season. Um, a small move. I kind of like it. Not not sure if you guys have any, any thoughts on that. I think it's easy fodder for the people who – and again, I stayed off basically all Ravens type of media for a while. But uh, good call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I host this podcast. I, I get enough of it from the Pod Like a Raven text group. But um, yeah, the people just like calling for Harbaugh's job, which is hilarious. As two two thirds of this podcast did bring it into question at the start of this season, and then realized we're idiots. Um, we are stupid, and it's fine to admit you're stupid. But apparently, it's not fine to admit you're stupid on Twitter because um, you can just. Have a different opinion every single day and nobody will notice because you have four followers. I just think it's it's it gives people it gives those people that want Harbaugh out easy cannon fodder, and I totally get it from a surface level point. But Antonio, I think you're right. Yeah, does it suck that he might need a time management specialist? Yeah, but he's needed one of those since two thousand eight. And we know that, and he's still a good football coach that has won a Super Bowl and and you know is the man for the Ravens in the near future, if not the extended future. And he's just here till he's like 85. Like I could, but obviously it's a bit of an exaggeration. He's got his weaknesses and they're exploiting that. And good on John Harbaugh, by the way, for being like, yeah, bring this guy in. Like, that's fine. Like, and rather than just beating his head against the wall and refusing to accept that. So I'm cool with it. I, I, I get it put it that way. Yeah. I like it too. I like, you know, Rosper, he's an older guy. He's nearly 70. Uh, obviously you mentioned he he's worked with Harbaugh. He was on the staff for 11 seasons. So they clearly have a good working relationship. I think it's not a bad thing for John to have. And seemingly he knows this. Presumably he's the guy who made the hire or is making the hire Right. Um, to have a guy in his ear <laughs> that he trusts uh, and that, uh, can influence his decision-making. I don't think that's a bad thing uh, at all. Rosberg was basically hired by the Broncos last year to do this exact thing for Nathaniel Hackett um, in, in a much more glaring, uh, obviously wrong, or, uh, you know, it was obviously a glaring problem uh, for Nathaniel Hackett and his brief head coaching tenure. Uh, was why he was brought in so early. Rosberg did. I think it's more just, um, you know, like you said, to just sort of, 
streamline, help boost, make things run smoother. Uh, to your point about bringing up uh, how, how this move can be perceived negatively, a uh, friend of all Ravens Twitter, Mike Preston of the uh, Baltimore Jesus. Sun, uh, tweeted for the first time in a few weeks about after the, uh, after the hire, got people going by asking, what does Harbaugh actually do on game day? <laughs> In the wake of this hire, and that, that got the that got the people going again. I disagree with that. I think obviously, again, I'm one of the guys who said John Harbaugh should be fired. He should not be fired. He did a very good job. He had a 13 and four team. Um, is everything they do in the playoffs, uh, abandoning the run, their game plan, that sort of thing, the last few years? That's a problem. I'm not going to deny that. That seems like a problem, and I think it's a John Harbaugh problem first and foremost, accompanied by a Lamar Jackson problem. Uh, but more a John Harbaugh problem than anything. If this, if hiring Jerry Rossberg helps him with this sort of thing, <laughs> by all means, uh, I can only you know be a good thing. So yeah, I, I it did get a uh, this this announcement did or this report, I guess I should say, did get the people going on Twitter in another the latest salvo of fire Harbaugh. But yeah, it's I think it's good. <laughs> maybe made at the right time you know with the super bowl noise they tried to uh just kind of just kind of slip it in during super bowl week yeah. but still drew some attention um all right let's get sad let's run through the free agents because there are many uh that the ravens have this off season to kind of deal with um obviously not all these guys are back obviously most of these players are not back but we're going to chat a little bit about which ones you know, do we think they really need to keep in the building? Which ones we can pretty much say bye to? And, and which ones do the, does the team need, um, whether they be starters or depth pieces, to try to keep the uh, keep the team as a top contender in the AFC? These are listed uh, on, the, on the Ravens' website, and it, it's kind of funny because they basically ranked them, with that, which, which I think was odd for the Ravens' website to do, not just, like, throw it out there alphabetically, but... Uh, here they are. So it's Patrick Queen, Justin Matabike, Kevin Zeitler, John Simpson, Gus Edwards, Jadivian Clowney, um, Ronald Darby, Geno Stone, Kyle Van Noy, Nelson Aguilar, Devin Duvernay, Malik Harrison, Tyler Huntley, Brent Urban, Arthur Millette, J.K. Dobbins, Rocky Yassine, Sam Mustafer, Josh Johnson, Daryl Worley, Laquan Treadwell, Delshawn Phillips, and Tyler Ott, the long snapper. Question number one, guys, how do we get Tyler Ott back in the building? Because <laughs> it just really, we, you know, the there's issues. There's issues with the snapping, and we need him more than anybody else. But a bit more seriously, uh, what do we do with a list this long and the number of snaps that were taken by this group of players? Uh, how does the team move forward? You know, to pick apart what, what do you think the team needs to, needs to do here to start a long offseason. Well... I, I I've been on team Matabike's got to be he's got to be the guy. He, he's, if you're re-signing just one of these guys, uh, it's got to be him. Now I know there's concerns. Um, you know, signing a interior defensive lineman uh, when he has his best season of his career in a contract year. Uh, I'm not going to say there's no risk there, but. Um, especially what he straight up. Yeah. He, he more than doubled. He went from five and a half sacks to 13 in a contract year. Uh, 
but that being said, I mean, I think he's the way it wasn't just like he lucked into sacks or anything. The way he dominated suggests, especially even in the playoffs, I thought, you know, he was probably their best defensive player against the Chiefs. I, I just thought the way he played all season long just makes him so good and so uh essential and i think you know we've talked about this i think on and off air but you have him in the middle up front and then you have roquan smith behind him and you have kyle hamilton behind him they are your spine of the defense and i just feel like of everyone i think he's the most important to bring back but i guess i will hear an argument too of uh you know we didn't talk about these guys at all all season but it is kind of like i feel like you can find replacements but just Oh, we don't have a starting guard under contract. That's that is a minor concern. I think that could, uh, you know, cause cause big problems uh, for the offense in twenty twenty four. And that's not to dismiss. I think you know the running back situation is very interesting. Both starters entering this season on this list, um, and obviously we know Keaton Mitchell's coming back from a fairly major injury. So like. Who's running the ball come September? That's, I think, a huge question. But I think that's secondary to who's blocking for them and Lamar Jackson. And, yeah. Uh, and then, on, again, on the other side, obviously, you mentioned Clowney and Van Noy. I have no idea what, what to even think about them. We, we talked about you bring them off the street and they get you, what, 19 sacks, right? But... Maybe, maybe you can strike oil and do it again. Maybe there's a chance a Jabo becomes somebody. Maybe there's a chance Owe takes some sort of leap. I haven't seen personally, but those are concerns. But I still think, even given all that, I still think Matt has got to be the guy. I just think he's so important up front. And, and, and there's so few, not so few, but it is like, if you can get pressure up the middle from a defensive tackle position. It's just, it, it can be so game-changing for your defense because it just puts pressure on a QB right away, and especially in, like, today's quick passing game and stuff. That's really important, getting pressure as soon as possible. And if you can do it from a defensive tackle, that's the easiest way to do it. So, for me, Matt BK is still the number one guy. Um, but, yeah, uh, as we said, this whole list, it's this is why the team will be worse next year because only, like, two or three of these guys will probably be back realistically. Yeah, you, we don't need to necessarily run through the whole thing guy by guy but you can you can find it the athletic uh again jeff cerebek put a piece out kind of ranking the top 15 free agents uh in this ravens class and every one of them played a role this year which is just super annoying um but this quote really struck me and i sent it to the guys uh this again from jeff cerebek the athletic quote this year's ravens free agent class is one of the deepest in franchise history it features their touchdown leader four running backs, three of their top five wide receivers, their two starting guards, their top three pass rushers, and five different defensive backs who started games in 2023. (laughs) That is insane for the talent that you are going to lose. And don't forget, you know, the obvious thing pointing out here, the Ravens are going to be constantly up the cap now, or up against the cap now, excuse me, with the contract for one Lamar Jackson. It is just the simple fact that is going to happen now because of the amount of money that he gets paid and what um, what that number is in terms of the percentage of the cap. I- I'm, I'm with Jace completely, and again, looking at the reports, it looks like the Ravens are not going to let Matabike walk out of that building um, by any means necessary, whether that means tagging him this year and seeing if he can do it again, basically telling him to prove it again, which 
look, sucks for players, but it is what it is. That's that's the league nowadays. You get the franchise tag, and you can try and hold out and try and do your thing, and maybe they come to a resolution there. I'm more and more confident every day that he's not leaving the building, um, that he is going to be a guy that at least in the next, in 2024-25, is a Ravens player, which is encouraging because Jace is right. There are a lot of concerns with the guy who very publicly said, I want to bet on myself to then sign him to a mega deal and he's got like four sacks and he misses four games and like it just it's a guy it's a Ronnie Stanley eating on eating up at your cap too um I think there's moves to be made that way not mentioning Ronnie Stanley I don't, I don't know the exact numbers and what have you maybe we get our guy Brian McFarlane back on to explain some of this to us but there are definitely some guys that could be cap casualties restructuring contracts what have you to try and fit more guys in um for me, second most important guy on this list, even age 34, and I say this because of how how valuable he is, but also the value that you could probably get him at because of his age, is Kevin Zeitler, the right guard, who finally made a Pro Bowl, who's deserved it for a long time, played every game, tough as nails. You don't see him kind of downgrading based on how he's performed in these three years for the Ravens. He's been an absolute stud of a signing for them over the last couple of years, and I think there's interest on both sides to get that done. Um, you know, Jace talked about Clowney and Van Noy. So I think Clowney, somebody's going to pay that guy a stupid amount of money and he's not going to be good. Like, I just, I think that's, he just seems like that type of player. Um, the one we keep avoiding is Patrick Queen. I think Patrick Queen and Geno Stone, although Geno Stone to a lesser degree, I think Geno Stone had a, lot, a bunch of lucky interceptions and then he, you know, he had he had some cake interceptions that he was playing off of for a while, which is fine. But like, somebody will pay that because they'll see that number. Um, and then Patrick Queen is just like, I would love to keep PQ after all the shtick that we have given him on this podcast for years. I think he is the perfect complement to a Roquan Smith, and really showed out this year. But somebody's going to pay him to be a starting linebacker in hopes that he can replicate that form without Roquan next to him, and it's not going to be the Baltimore Ravens because he's it's just. You can't pay two inside linebackers that amount of money. Um, and then just real quickly, I, I know I, I literally just said I'm not going to go through this whole list and I'm going through half of it. I will be so sad if Gus Edwards isn't on this team next year. I get it from a financial standpoint. I get – and, like, it might play to our advantage that running backs just aren't valued in the market. So he stays on the market, stays on the market, stays on the market. Nobody – um, you know, sacks up and actually signs the guy and he comes back to the Ravens and averages 5.6 yards per carry or whatever. Like, I think him going out with, and not his fault, a whimper in that in the AFC title game would be such a, such a letdown for what Gus Edwards has sneakily been for this team for so long. And I know he's got limitations. I would make him running back one, like, this this next season and then find like a complimentary scat back for him i just think he's that good i think he's that valuable but you know i could also see a team finally being like you know what we've got a lot of cap room we need a running back who's a bruiser who's really effective and we're gonna pay this guy so my you know outside of matabike which is obviously the one like as soon as he signs the long-term deal the 92 is getting ordered to the horsey household you know as quick as possible faster than you can say matabike um <laughs> i think I think Gus Edwards is the one, like, in my heart is going to hurt the most if he leaves. Just sentimentally what he's kind of meant to this team um, and, you know, the hard-nosed type of edge that he's given that running game for years. But, you know, this – again, 
I will repeat and echo Jace. This is what happens when you're a good team. This Ravens team is arguably the most talented Ravens team of all time on paper. And they failed. And they didn't get the job done. And now these free agent signings are going to... These free agent departures, excuse me, are going to sting and hurt way more than they would have if they lifted a Lombardi. And you said, you know what? It was it was great. I totally get it. Everybody's going to get paid. Here we go. We got to reset. Now you got to do the same thing, but you don't have the trophy in the cabinet. And that that's, you know, the worst part of this business. The Ed, Edwards one is going to be tough because his yards per attempt went down almost a yard. And his whole thing was he was a five yards per got, per attempt guy for years, for four years straight. He averaged five yards per carry or more. And then it went down to 4.1 this past off season, and now they're going to be tight with everything financially. And I just I cannot see them, unfortunately, choosing him over a fifth round pick, sixth round pick that does a percentage of what he did at his best. You know, and you just hope that he that that rookie is going to take those take those snaps, which is unfortunate because he was obviously a loved a beloved Raven. And nobody gets 13 touchdowns by accident, dang it. So we'll, we'll see what happens with him. The Matabike thing, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a player so guaranteed to get a franchise tag in my uh, <laughs> yeah. life covering, like actually paying attention to the NFL. That is what will happen with the Ravens. They are not going to give him, I don't think, I don't think, I'll come back on here and uh, eat crow, not Raven, but crow. <laughs> I do not think they are going to just turn, turn around and give him a, a massive deal and put that much money toward one player based on what they've already done with a couple of big deals i guess shy of like tim mentioned cutting a few of these bigger name kind of hefty price tag players who maybe pass their prime franchise it for a year let's see it again and even if if he has a comparable season i still think they're gonna say thank you very much we will take your comp pick um and you go on your way as a 20 at that point he'll be 27 28 years old um, that remains to be seen. And then the queen thing is again, I just, he was not very good when he was the guy at inside linebacker. He got an all pro to play next to him. He played amazing. Good luck to Patrick. I, I mean this in the best way. He's going to get paid, but good luck having the same success. He will have to be the guy again. He will not be paired with another all pro inside linebacker. He's going to have to do it himself. And the Ravens are not going to be a team to throw a lot of money there. <sighs> but it's sad. It's sad. And I think, as Tim mentioned, Zeitler is like a weird, weirdly the guy that, not weirdly, but that that's the guy who's been circled a couple of times. Like, this is the type of player that we need to keep in the building. Um, we'll see. We'll see as the off season goes along. God, there's so many sacks that they're going to need to replace. Yeah, I'm just uh, going through this. It's, it's over It's going to be the Eagles. It's going to be the Eagles again. The Eagles were a great pass rushing team. We finally found our great pass rushing team. And they're not going to be able to get after the pa- the the passer now. Like it's just, it kind of is what it is. Unless a Jabo and a Daf- oh, I never mind. I'm not. Even <laughs> uh, a lot of a uh, lot of potential New York Jets on this list too. I feel so like so many. Just one guy in passing because I just I was staring at this Ravens list too. Uh, Odell Beckham, I'm pretty sure, is also a free agent. They just he didn't yes. list yes. list him for some reason. Right. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but. Uh, I yeah, he's a free agent. I doubt he's back. Also, but I have no idea because Odell had what like five hundred some yards. He he certainly wasn't as good. He 
he did perform to the level the Ravens certainly paid him. But I also, I don't know, maybe they worked something out with him because of that on a longer term thing. I still feel like it's a much lower priority thing, but I don't know. The whole Odell experience was interesting. Um, I, I would, I'm not going to be stunned if he doesn't come back. I'm not sure I'll be sad if he doesn't come back as good as Zay Flowers has been, but he was just one name I noticed. I was, yeah, I noticed wasn't on there. Uh, and then just one other thing I've been thinking of on and off, and just we've never real quickly. Hold on, Jace, just real yeah. quickly on the Odell thing. Never forget that that played a significant role in Lamar Jackson coming back, and he clearly was a great locker room guy. Which yes. we give we gave Odell Beckham Jr. A load of stick when he was a Cleveland Brown and did the whole, like, we would never want that guy near our team, whatever. He completely changed that narrative about himself. Was the one consoling everybody after the Chiefs game. Was was week in and week out noted as, like, a locker room voice. I hope he goes some... I mean, I would love Odell to stay. Which, which when we started this podcast way back when, I would have... you, I would have <laughs> kicked my own teeth in if I heard myself saying that. But I, I think that it would be really cool for him to come back in more of that veteran, you know, getting 30 target or thirty receptions type of role. I don't think that's going to happen because Odell is Odell. And I think somebody will be like, that guy's got some more, you know, we're the Cardinals and we want five, five out all the time and we can throw him 70 balls a year and he'll say yes to that. And that's fine. Good for him. Um, but, yeah, just never forget what he actually brought to this team, which I think is way more significant than a stat sheet is ever going to show. I, I agree with you. I'd love, like, you know, if you let all these other receivers go, your uh, Aguilar's, Duvernay even, I'd welcome an Odell return. But I, I agree with you. I think some team's going to pay him just because he's Odell. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he is a star still, even if the numbers weren't, weren't quite as good. But I agree. He, he, I, he did so much. And like you said, he probably helped get Lamar back into the fold, which was kind of just I, the other thing I've been thinking of. I don't know if we've even talked about this. It's been on my mind, though, and I, I don't totally know, but I have some suspicions that because he still does not have an agent, it is going to be a pain to rework his contract the way other teams rework the contracts of their quarterbacks, um, I'm guessing. Uh, you know, his his cap hit, of course, I just had it closed down. I had it up very recently. Uh, his cap hit is climbing and climbing. It's not too outrageous next year, but... It is, it's over $70 million in a few seasons, um, which is just, yeah, not really uh, tenable. Yeah, it's $32 million next year, which isn't bad, but then it goes up to 43 and his cap hit's slated for $74 million in 2026. So, um, yeah, they're going to basically have to rework his contract, extend him, kick money down the road after 2025. And I'm just slightly worried we're going to get into this whole Lamar doesn't have an agent thing, <laughs> and now we're negotiating a new deal with him again in two seasons. Uh, it's just something that's in the back of my mind. It's not something we have to worry about too much this year or even going into next year, really. But two years from now, uh, I think this could be an issue when it comes to the Ravens, their salary cap, and long-term planning. So just I love this. something to I keep in mind. I love this so much. We are not – this is how down bad we are. We haven't – Lamar Jackson's contract hasn't even started, and Jace is concerned about having to renegotiate and how we're gonna how we're gonna communicate with him without an agent. Yeah, it's been a it's been a great eight days or what have you. Um, I'm just thinking ahead. <laughs>
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, let's go, uh, let's go to the game that I guess is important, and it's the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, it is 49ers. It's Chiefs. The 49ers are two and a half point favorites in this game and i think all three of us like that very much in terms of being able to bet against so we're going to get into a little bit of the matchup stuff and then really kind of spend some time going over prop bets and some of our best stuff here but look the, the helicopter view of this 49ers match up pretty well in this game with the chiefs they can lean on Christian McCaffrey in the run game like the Ravens should have done against a weak Chiefs run defense. They can get the ball out quickly with Purdy and let all the receivers make plays in space. On defense, they have great linebackers to monitor Travis Kelsey. They have Nick Bosa who can get pressure off the edge. And yet, what's the point with analysis when we talk about these Chiefs? They're going to win. <laughs> Forget. Here we go. My pick's out. Forget the spread. It's Chiefs, money line. They're going to win this football game. Purdy is going to look scared at times. He's going to make mistakes. And that's it. It doesn't even matter that the 49ers have more skill, a better record, have had a better season, do cool things in their offensive scheme. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because when the chips are on the table, it's Patrick Mahomes 
it's Travis Kelsey, it's Andy Reid, and it's the Chiefs. So, uh, what? you know, disagree with me if you would like. Do we just skip the matchups and all the how this game is going to go, or, or do I have uh, some some firm disagreement? No, I, I honestly, on air production meeting, think we skip the player matchups because I think you're exactly right. Because I think we could all look at it like we looked at the Ravens game, and then Kyle Shanahan will have Brock Purdy throw it 50 times, and Mahomes throws it to Travis Kelsey like 400 times, and and Fred Warner isn't on him, and then the one time he is on him, the referee loves calling that little chintzy PR. God, I'm not over it. Um, I just I. No, I don't think it's worth it because I think Mahomes is – which one's the really bad one? The T-1000? Is that the one in Terminator 2 that's, like, really just unkillable? Like, the the thing that can do everything and is sentient and all this, whatever? I've seen Terminator, like, once, so apologies. It, that One of my nerd gaps that I have is not is not being a super fan for Terminator 2. He's that thing, the unkillable entity that is going to win this football game. I – I think I think of it this way. I'm I'm with you guys. I think I think Chiefs are probably a sucker bet, but the line keeps going towards the Niners, and it's like, well, that's all the smart money. Maybe just ride with the Niners. I can't sit here in good faith and say I'm going to bet against Patrick Mahomes when Brock Purdy is on the other side. I'm dumb. I'm stupid. Uh, but I do watch a lot of football, and I'm not going to be the guy that went. I knew it was going to be Brock Purdy against Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs are winning this football game. They just are. And Antonio, you're exactly right. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know why they're going to do it outside of Patrick Mahomes. But I know it's going to happen. And I'm going to hate watch it. And probably by halftime, throw it on a second screen so I'm not actually watching it fully. (laughs) And then switch the volumes on like my Xbox game and the Super Bowl when the commercials are on. And then Travis Kelsey will be on that commercial, so I'll switch it back immediately. And it'll just be a a three-hour cycle of I hate this, I hate this, I hate everything. And then I get to avoid sports media for another two (laughs) weeks when they talk about Patrick Mahomes already being better than Tom Brady. So it's... it's, (laughs) Yeah, no... Long story, rambling, uh, you know, long story short there, and obviously I'm rambling here, but yeah, I think we avoid the matchups because they don't freaking matter. Uh, I am also with you guys. The Chiefs will win this game. Uh, also, Tim, T-1000, correct. Uh, good call. <laughs> um, I thought he was naming, like, planes. I was like, oh, I don't I don't know. Is that the latest, like, Boeing to have plane, issues? Plane know. chat with Tim Horsey. <laughs> the, the T-1000 had to be grounded for several days. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I'm with you guys. I think the Chiefs will win for pretty much the reasons you said. They have the way better quarterback. And that's, I think, what is perplexing me about the line. It's, yes, the 49ers have been a better team over the course of the season. But it's the Super Bowl. And it should be, the should the line be based on what's the better team right now? And aren't, are the Chiefs not clearly the better team in the playoffs so far? Like, just the way their defense is playing, I don't see Brock Purdy having success against that. Maybe if they do stay committed to the run, uh, they can. But they've held the Dolphins to seven points. The Bills put 24 on them, and then they held us to 10 points. They're playing really well on defense, and they have the best player in the world. And I don't understand how that makes them not favored in this game. And it's just kind of confusing to me. I just think the 49ers, especially even on defense, they just haven't played that well. The Packers should have beat them. We kind of talked about that. The Lions should have beat them. We talked about that you know, last week, too, or certainly, you know... 
should have at least not blown the game as suddenly as they did. Uh, it, it just it, the 49ers just haven't been playing. I feel like well enough in the playoffs and even back into the playoffs. Like the Ravens kicked their butt and then they beat the Commanders and then they didn't try. So it's been like basically since before Christmas since we've seen like an A plus game from the Niners. I think and. The Chiefs are just playing really well right now. I think they certainly are championship experience. They'll find a way. They're still a, a good handful of guys from that 2019 team kicking around. And I think at least how they're playing currently, I think the 2019 Niners were a better team than the way the current, the 2023 49ers are playing right now. I think top to bottom, there's more talent. Trent Williams wasn't on that 2019 Niners team. But the defense is just playing worse than they were when they – nearly won the Super Bowl in 2019. I think Mahomes is going to find success against them. And yeah, I just, I don't see the Chiefs <laughs> losing this game. Uh, personally, I just don't don't really see the path to it happening. So yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I'm confused. I don't understand why the best quarterback in the league is an underdog in three straight playoff games, but here we are. And he's going to win the Super Bowl as an underdog in three straight games. And yeah, Tim Tim's going to have to go on social media or, uh, podcast hiatus again uh for other for other sports media pods i've been on hiatus i haven't restarted the so uh, the sports pod so i'll just i'll just keep that going another month and a half two months i recommend listening to stav it it is a nice like (laughs) a good release uh, it's a good release (laughs) but other than that yeah i would avoid everything else yeah so i i just i see him winning i see you know i i see i see the chiefs just winning again and yeah the the brady comparisons the pats comparisons i mean if they win this, they're halfway there, and Mahomes is 28 years old, right? So, like, <laughs> it's not good. It's not good for the rest of the NFL, and if you're a fan of an AFC team in particular. But, yeah, I, the Niners can certainly win. They're a really talented team, and, you know, they were one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl this whole season, ahead of the season. They mostly showed why, but I just think the Chiefs are playing better right now. I think that's kind of all it comes down to. It might be super simplistic, but I, I think they have the better quarterback and their and the better defense. So it's like, what am I picking really at the end of the day? The 49ers had a, a ten point to zero point fourth quarter against the Packers. They had a seventeen to nothing third quarter against the Lions. They've basically stunk. Every quarter outside of that. Maybe the fourth quarter in the Lions game. It was t- The point differential is 10-7. I will go to my grave thinking that the Lions just said, nah, we don't, want, we don't want points. We have no interest in points in a game where points determine who wins the game. <laughs> However, outside of those quarters, the 49ers have basically stunk. Those were against inferior opponents at home. Now you're telling me in this huge pressure moment of which the Chiefs will feel none. They will feel zero pressure. A kickoff at halftime to start the second half and in the fourth quarter. They've been here too many times with the exact same people over and over and over again. And you go to the other side of a team that's not played well at home in the last two games, and now they're just supposed to... And they have a head coach who's maybe most famous for choking (laughs) in a Super Bowl as a play caller and also in fourth quarters just in his career. And they're just supposed to figure this out. And Purdy is supposed to outduel Mahomes in the fourth quarter? I don't think so. I don't think so. And it is not baffling because the Chiefs have struggled. We've seen months in a row where they can't score. And maybe even now, they can't really score more than 24 points in a game against good competition. But 
I just can't see it. I can't see it. And we're going to get to, I'm going to use this and just dive into some of our prop bets here. What is fishy, and that we've talked about how the line, then it doesn't make sense. Why is this line Niners by minus two and a half? What to me is fishy is the money line for the Chiefs is only plus 110, even though they're two and a half point underdogs. You should be getting better value from a team that is two and a half point underdogs, and that tells me that's a little hidden thing about like how live the Chiefs are as two and a half point underdogs in this game. So my pick, really officially, is not taking Chiefs' money line. It is just Patrick Mahomes' MVP. He is plus 135 to win the MVP. I think... If the Chiefs win this football game, he is going to win the MVP. So don't take it at plus 110. Take it at plus 135. And you get a little extra juice there for a very, very likely scenario if the Chiefs win. However, I've gone receiver for MVP the last two seasons. I hit Cooper Cup for the Rams. I did not hit Travis Kelsey with the Chiefs last season. However... Travis Kelsey currently listed at 17 to 1 for MVP. It's a very long odds for their best receiver, Hall of Famer, blah, blah, blah. What does he need to do? I'm going to just toss this to one of my co-hosts. We'll see, we'll see who. What does he need to do, Travis Kelsey, to sneak a little 17 to 1 MVP? Is it three touchdowns in the face of breaking up with Tay Tay at halftime, <laughs> overcoming all odds? To win a Super Bowl and have a big game, what are we going to need for a 17-1 to 1 to hit and give us a nice little payout? We need Travis Kelsey to basically do what he did against the Baltimore Ravens with maybe a touch. Did he score against the Ravens? I don't even remember. If he, he did. didn't, Okay, yep. so, <laughs> so I would add another touchdown to that. So two touchdowns. And Mahomes needs to throw like two picks. And then they show Taylor Swift in the crowd like 800 times. I think, like, again, this is the the classic battle we have on Pod Like a Raven where it's, like, logic versus psychopath. And that's fine. But I think I have a case for Travis Kelsey at 17-1. to The NFL, and I'm not going full conspiracy theory here, although some of this is going to sound like it. (laughs) <laughs> Dave wanted this the entire time. Did I say did I say they rigged the Ravens game? Yes, I did. No, I'm kidding. They didn't. No, they did not. But you put Roger Roger Goodell in a room and you give him like one glass of whiskey with all his M&Ms in his big chair on NFL draft night and he would tell you that he wanted Travis Kelsey in this game like easily. And you know what Travis Kelsey needs to do? Travis Kelsey just needs to be vintage Travis Kelsey. Now, no, Tim, that really hasn't happened. It happened two, like uh, last week as we're speaking to you on this podcast. He was all that. <laughs> he was unstoppable against the Baltimore Ravens. A lot of that was malpractice by the Baltimore Ravens. We discussed that in detail on last week's episode. But all they need to do is have him get away with taunting every single player on the field because he can do whatever he wants. After the play, he could he could run over and shove Kyle Shanahan over, and they're not going to say anything. <laughs> they're just not at this point. It, it It's ridiculous, but it is what it is. He, he All he needs to do is nine catches, you know, nine to 12 catches for 140 yards, two touchdowns, and Mahomes isn't, like, lights out to anybody else. It's basically like, oh, my God, he had to feed Kelsey the whole time. And you know what's going to happen? 
they're going to show Taylor Swift doing the wave with Donna Kelsey or like, <laughs> oh my God, she's drinking a vodka cranberry with Jason. Like, it's going to be some stupid bullcrap like that. And everybody, you're going to start seeing it on Twitter. You're going to start seeing it like, man, Mahomes isn't really having a great game. Everything everything is going to Kelsey here. Everything's Oh my God, look at Tay-Tay. Look what she's wearing. This is great. And the momentum is going to build. And I'm telling you, it's a sucker bet. They made it just long enough for you to be like, oh, I have to take it now. And guess what? I did. I'm a sucker. I did it. But 17 to 1 is too long for, again, to steal a line from Stavi, the man who just all he wants is his Amazon, direct to Amazon Prime action movie career to get started. That's all this guy wants now. And the thing that's going to launch it is a Super Bowl MVP, him bringing Taylor Swift up on the stage. Maybe proposing, maybe not, and then retiring with the Super Bowl MVP, and then he goes off into the like the, the sunset, and now he's actually able to go to the Grammys and w- whatever. Like, I think it's gonna happen. I legitimately think Travis Kelsey is winning the MVP of this game because I think everything's gonna go to him for some stupid reason. The Niners aren't gonna be able to stop him because, again, we just said don't even think about the matchups, even though it favors them completely. The Niners' defense actually hasn't been that great. In recent weeks, too, which we, which Jace kind of talked about a bit earlier. And all he needs to do is just have a great game and Mahomes to kind of not be, holy crap, incredible Patrick Mahomes. And I think he gets it easily. It, is there a chance he has a touchdown pass in this game? They do some version of, like, there the you go. special. There you go. Something to like that, get too. Kelsey yep. a touchdown pass because... Or a touchdown run, Jay. Yeah. Like he, he does the one yard sneak. They go back to the, the or they go the back to like scores. the shuffle yeah. pass thing. Seventeen to one, guys. That's all I'm saying. Like, look, the reason it's seventeen to one is because he's probably not gonna win it. And again, logic v psychopath. Like, that's fine. But there's better than a seventeen to one chance that he does win it. That's all I'm saying. My last concern, because I do like the odds, I like the price. My, my other concern is if Mahomes plays poorly enough to not win it how do the Chiefs win the game? How, how does that still happen? And I think if he has multiple turnovers, like he has to be, but he's the whole team outside of Kelsey who has to catch the ball from him. If he has two picks and Kelsey has to have this big game, I think that I don't, the, it, the margin gets so tight to whether or not the Chiefs can actually win the game outright. But I do like that price. But Brock Pert, like but then, price. but then Brock Purdy fumbles the next snap because it's the freaking voodoo effing Chiefs and like things are just going their way Christian McCaffrey fumbles on the one and it looked it's from the exact same point that Zay Flowers does it like the same play but Jerry Sneed makes a play again and like Brock Purdy has four picks and the, but they're not going to give it to a defensive player so they give it to Travis Kelsey instead like I you're right Antonio again in, in most of these debates logically you are right but like there's a weird thing going on right now, and all it takes is for, you know, they're down 10, right? They're down 10. Um, Kyle uh, Kyle Shanahan is like, this is finally his moment to close a game out, and guess what he does? He bees Kyle Shanahan, and they do some stupid stuff. They get the ball back, and in two straight drives, it's nothing but Kelsey. It's like five catches right to Kelsey, and it's like another, you know, four on the next drive to win it, and Mahomes... Epic comeback from Mahomes, but the reason they're down 10 in that position is because he had some turnovers or something. And then Kelsey is the hero. He walks off with Taylor Swift. And I would say, God love him, and I never have to see him again, but it's Taylor Swift, so that's not going to happen. Um, it just, 
I can see it. At 17 to 1, put five bucks on it. Like, you know, I just, I don't know. It just seems too obvious for me. All right. Let's keep going here. Um, God, I hate it. I, I hate you, it. I don't too, have Kelsey <laughs> at MVP, but I like it. I'm not disagreeing with it, especially at 17 to 1. But I did take everything else, Kelsey. So maybe I'm not listening to uh, Tim and myself here. I have Kelsey anytime touchdown. It's even money. Yeah, something's happening where he gets a touchdown at some point in this game. If they're down, they're throwing it to him. If they win the game, it's because they threw it to him. Kelsey, anytime touchdown. Kelsey, I'm adjusting the receptions. Uh, the standard line that I've seen is six and a half over under, but it's a terrible price. It's like minus 144, which to the new gambler, that means uh, you have to bet $144 to win $100. I'm adjusting it to eight plus. So you're going to win if he gets eight. And that's plus 110. Uh, so a much better price. I don't think it's a crazy number. Um, he's going to get some of the dink and dunk stuff on the first drive, probably, and that's going to continue to snowball. So I do like him getting eight or more receptions. And then I'm countering that with the Rasheed Rice under. The over-under for yards for Rice is 67 and a half. And I'm going under. He has only gone over this number six out of the 19 games that he has played in, has gone under it in the last two games against the Bills and the Ravens. And I think that continues here. He can have a nice game. He can have a nice day and still comfortably be under this number. Uh, and I'm okay with the price at minus 110. So Rasheed Rice under 67 and a half yards. Uh, and then I'm going to offer one more and then continue to, to turn to my co-host here. Because Tim and I discussed this pre-show. And it's 49ers to win the first half and the Chiefs to win the game is plus 800. But what game gets us this? Because I I view it as if the Chiefs win this game, they essentially have a carbon copy of what they did against the Ravens. They come out early, they get a lead, they're able to dink and dunk all over the field, they get a few touchdowns, they put pressure on a young quarterback and a coach who's known to crumble. So do they win first half and the game if it is Chiefs? What is the scenario to where we get a plus 800, 8 to 1, on 49ers winning the first half, but then the Chiefs coming back in the game. When the 49ers will lean, you know, if they have a lead, they're going to be leaning on the ground game, all that stuff. But what is the scenario where we get 49ers to win the first half and Chiefs to win the game? I I think it's kind of just uh, the way a lot of Chiefs playoff games go. So this, I didn't remember this happened last year. The Chiefs were down 10 at halftime at the Super Bowl that they ended up winning. And they're tied 10-10 at halftime in their first Super Bowl. Uh, you mentioned Mahomes, not the cleanest on Super Sunday. Four picks uh, during his time on Super Sunday. As mentioned, that's the path to Travis Kelsey getting MVP. But I, I, th I think, like... It's not impossible for, I think, Mahomes to have a turnover, too. He's been pretty clean in this postseason, right? I don't think he's thrown a, a turnover. But he is prone to do that every now and then. And so I think it's it's an interception or two. And the Niners stay mostly clean, but maybe not spectacular. And, yeah, maybe they head into halftime with, like, a 13-10 lead, 14-7 lead, something narrow. 
um, ball control, something like that. But I, I like it as a bet just because the Chiefs have a propensity to come back. And in that 2019 run, they were down double digits in all three playoff games they won. They did it last year in the Super Bowl. It's just something they could do pretty easily and are prone to doing, in fact, because it's falling behind uh, and kind of relying on Mahomes' magic. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's a great bet, Antonio, because I, I think it's just very you know, realistic for them to be sloppy or could be potentially, you know, they have been mostly clean these playoffs, but can you be clean for four straight playoff games? That's a big ask. And I do think the Niners are a really good defense. You know, their linebackers, Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw has a pair of picks, I believe in this playoffs, maybe even more. He's been pretty good. So they do have some coverage guys. And so maybe, yeah, maybe they can pick off uh, a pass or two, because like we've said, and what annoys me thinking about the Ravens game and everything we've talked about, the weapons are still bad. The weapons are still bad on this Chiefs team, and it is going to have to be a lot of Kelsey. Um, and if maybe they can't get him going, maybe that does help the Niners uh, jump out. But it does seem hard for them to like run too far away, certainly, for to make it a game where the Chiefs can't come back. So yeah, that is a tasty bet. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy that idea, so I, I think that's sort of... Uh, yeah, it's Mahomes tossing some picks. I think that's sort of how we get there. I think, too, it's also, first and foremost, it's another value play. Because, again, you're right. Like, this Chiefs team, I think what they do is they, they punch the Niners in the face early. And then the Niners kind of just like, like the Ravens did. And the problem with that is Chiefs, Chiefs, first half and money line, or end uh, of regulation, excuse me, is plus 190. And this is plus 800. And so, yeah, maybe you're fishing for value there at some point and maybe just like, you know, throw some cold water on your face and say, hey, just go with the easy one. That's fine. But I, th- again, much like the Kelsey thing, the reason I'm doing this is that situation is more likely than eight to one is kind of how I frame it, where, yeah, this has not been that Chiefs team all season, but the Chiefs team all season has not been the team in the playoffs either that has just pulled stuff out of their butt constantly because they're Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And it's Kyle Shanahan. Like, I've heard some arguments, you know, doing, again, in the limited things that I've listened to, but I, I agree that, like, there is a there is a notion for a team's moment, right? Where this is kind of like, if the Niners don't do it here, what are we doing? Like, this is kind of the moment for them to do it, and they have to... You know, get get over the final boss to finally, you know, do the thing. But then I'm like, yeah, but I said that two weeks ago and the Ravens completely spat on that take where this was definitely their moment and then they, that's it. Like, I just want them to go 10-7 and seven and make a miracle wildcard run and that's it. Like, I, I never want the first seed again. Ever. Ever. I never want to have a rest versus rust debate. I never, <laughs> ever, I never want to go 13-4 and four ever again. I, pro- I swear... On this podcast, that I never want to go 13, 13 and four again and get the one seed. Thirteen and four in the two seed. Now we can have a conversation. <laughs> Thirteen and four in the one seed. I don't want it. I want nothing to do with it ever again. I swear to God. Um, I don't even want to win the division anymore. I want to go ten and no, seven, nine on. and eight, and get it. No, I just don't. I'm done. I'm so fed up with it. No, never mind. This is a whole different conversation. I just, I think there is a world where this game is like fourteen seven Niners at half. And then Kyle Shanahan just stops giving the ball to Christian McCaffrey. And we're all screaming at our TVs, like, what are you doing? 
or I'm in the middle of playing Persona 3, so I'm just not paying attention anymore because <laughs> I'm tired of it. And you just see Patrick Mahomes just climbing all the way back. And and finally, um, you know, not finally, doing the thing again that he always does. And you get that at plus 800. You get a Patrick Mahomes, Taylor Swift in the stands, Travis Kelsey thing that they all want and again that conspiracy tim over here you get that thing again and it's plus 800 i'm sorry again it's it's the same it's the same thing that i have with the the patrick mahomes versus brock purdy debate in general about this game if this game is seven points either way at halftime i think the chiefs are going to win and now you're giving me the value of it could be seven points to the Niners, and then I get the Chiefs to come back and beat that team uh, at plus eight hundred. I'm going to take it. So, yeah, that's that's where I stand there. All right, let's run through some of your guys' best bets here. What are a few? Uh, let's start with Tim. What are a few of your favorite bets outside of the the two that we already heard? Uh, I'll go quickly on ones that I think are sort of interesting, but I don't love, um, and then go and kind of d- dive into some other ones here. Um, Patrick Mahomes to have more passing touchdowns than Brock Purdy is plus money at plus 145. I know the Chiefs line is a sucker bet. That just screams sucker bet to me. So uh, everything that I've been saying on this podcast means that I should probably slam that too. I don't know if I'm going to do it. Uh, Shortest touchdown scored under one and a half yards is minus 152. I don't love the value, but I can see the Niners getting to the one and then punching it in. And that, that wins you that bet there. Uh, I think the under is interesting just because I think in Super Bowls, everybody gets cagey and 47 and a half seems high for a Super Bowl, but who knows? Could have a shootout. And then Juwan Jennings over 25 plus yards at plus 194. Uh, they call him third and Juwan. Thanks, Peter Schrager. <laughs> Absolute dork. Um, but apparently that's what they call him in the Niners camp. Uh, le- learned that when I was actually still listening to sports podcasts. Um, he is, he is the third down guy for them in those, in those third and medium situations. He's got to catch three of them, like three third and sevens, and he gets eight to nine yards on each of those, and that's 25 yards at plus 194. So I think that's interesting. But the ones I really like, um, outside of the ones we've talked about, um, and yeah, some of these are definitely a bit of a flyer. We'll go with the flyer one first. Noah Gray, anytime touchdown at plus 950. Um, we're doing a t- we're going to talk about Travis Kel. I've mentioned Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift more times than I want to on this podcast, which means that Noah Gray is scoring a touchdown because Andy Reid is is a nut job and he's going to make sure that that everybody's looking at this thing. Now look at this thing and pull off some crazy play and Noah Gray like gets loose for thirty yards and scores and it's plus nine fifty. Again, these are all just feel like I feel that coming. I f- that's just that's insurance on your MVP bet. Right. That's all that is. 100%. That's, a, that's just smart money right there. And, and maybe the Chiefs blow him out. No, Noah Gray scores one. Travis Kelsey scores like four and they have to give it to Travis Kelsey over uh, over Patrick Mahomes. Who knows? They wouldn't do that, obviously. Um, Brock Purdy over three and a half rushing attempts. Now, I wanted to throw this one to you guys real quickly. We don't have to go too, too much here. So there's two different Brock Purdy rushing bets that I like here. And generally, I think just because he's been running a little bit more in the playoffs... The Chiefs defensive line is very good, so we might be running for his life a little bit. So you could either do over three and a half rushing attempts, which is plus 124, which is plus money, or over 12 and a half yards, but that's at minus 115. So I'd almost rather take the value and see that he's going to scramble four times. Now, four is a little bit high, but I'm going over three and a half attempts at plus 124. Instead of the over twelve and a half yards at minus one fifteen, what do you guys what do you guys think there? Where where, where would you lean? Uh, I like it. 
I like attempts. Uh, attempts, okay. He, he has 11 attempts in the playoffs so far, Tim. And I think the reason I like it more is, like, it does not have to be a successful run to be a rushing attempt. He just yeah. has to get past the line of scrimmage. That is a yes. rushing attempt. That is a broken play where he gets half a yard. <laughs> that's a rushing attempt. Scr- yep. Just trying to scramble away from a sack. And that's why I like it, I think, because I, I think it's – Likely, like, you know, most quarterbacks these days, and Purdy is included among them, are athletic enough to at least kind of get away for a few seconds. It's how I feel. I think about, like, Baker Mayfield can run around, like, a little bit, but it seems like he gets sacked within, like, a yard of the line of scrimmage a ton. Um, And Jared Goff, same thing. I I think Purdy, uh, I think it's just a little bit of a safer play because it's, like, 12 and a half, you know, you really, as a quarterback, only kind of need one good boot to mostly get that. But I think it's just more likely he gets four rushing attempts and maybe even like two of them are like real scrambles and yeah you can just get two rushing attempts for him getting one to two yards on a broken play i i think it's just a lot more likely so that's why personally i lean i think rushing attempts on that yeah um i'm torn i was gonna try to pull up an adjusted line for the yards i agree i hate the price for the 12 and a half yards so i was gonna see you know if it's 20 yards are you in plus you're probably in plus odds at that point but the can he have three scrambles and then a little QB sneak a little a little fourth and inches QB sneak because that's going to count too so with that I'm going to agree with you I'm going to take the three and a half attempts he's going to scramble a few times they're going to have a third and inches fourth and inches where they for some reason don't do like a quadruple reverse but they just do a QB sneak and he uh I don't really care what he does. It's an attempt. It's a it's a rushing attempt. So uh, let's do the yeah. Let's do the attempts as opposed to yards. Okay. And then my last one here, and I'll be quick here. Um, Jake Moody's a bad kicker, and for him to miss <laughs> and for him to miss a field goal is plus two ten. In the biggest moment, they need points, and it's like a forty eight yarder, and my man is it, my man's shanking left. Like I plus two ten, it for that just seems way too high for a guy that has not been good all year. Has been very very nervous um all year so plus 210 on jake moody sorry buddy but jake moody to miss a field goal and again just plays into my whole script of just the chiefs are just going to win this football game they just are so and you know it could be they were about to go up 10 with four minutes left in the game and moody they it's like fourth and four and it would have been like a 51 yard attempt and kyle shanahan goes for the 51 yarder rather than the fourth and four and he misses it Mahomes comes down and throws it eight times to Kelsey, who scores the touchdown. They go for two. They win the game. Like, any of that stupid crap is going to happen. And I think part of that is uh, Moody missing a field. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm kind of leaning into the, stu- the stupid crap, Tim, because one of mine I'm taking <laughs> is uh, Patrick Mahomes plus 360 anytime touchdown. Now, we know he does not quarterback sneak, so he's not going to tush-push his way into the end zone like Jalen Hurts would. Who Jalen Hurts, by the way, if you forgot, three rushing touchdowns last year in the Super Bowl. We're not going to see that from Mahomes. But he could scramble for one. And us talking about it today, I'm like, oh, they're going to Philly special a Travis Kelsey to Mahomes touchdown uh, or something dumb. I just think dumb things could happen. And I see Patrick Mahomes somehow uh, walking into the end zone with this football. So Patrick Mahomes, anytime touchdown. I, uh, you know, and more sort of just straight down the middle bets. I mentioned Chiefs money line, Mahomes MVP. It just is for all we said about Kelsey. Uh, they gave it to Mahomes when he threw two TDs and two picks against the Niners. They gave it to him last year. Chances are well, they'll give it to him this year too if he has a good game. But the, the picks number is going to be what determines that and how crazy 
Kelsey's game is. I do like the under 47 and a half. I kind of have this game pegged around 27-17. Uh, not giving this out because it's not advised, but I see myself possibly placing a correct score bet of 27-17 because I just <laughs> I just can't do not do it uh, uh, for for big games. But uh, the one I think I'm most interested in. Um, and I don't even really have a side I like this more for, but just a defensive score for either team is plus 700 in the anytime touchdown odds to defensive score. And we've gotten defensive touchdowns in four of the prior 10 Super Bowls. Defensive touchdowns happen more often than you think on Super Sunday. And I, you know, Mahomes possibly could have one. I see it much more likely Brock Purdy having one, the way the Chiefs secondary has played with the Jair Sneed. And Trent McDuffie, there's some, some real ball hawks back there, and just some really good players. Um, I can see Brock Purdy serving up a pick six in this game. Uh, that might hurt my case for also going under, I guess, but because uh, defensive scores usually cause that kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, I, I thought that was a fun one. And then just one that intrigued me was Isaiah Pacheco, most rushing yards in the game, plus 165. Um you know, obviously Christian McCaffrey's the favorite, and if you think the Chiefs are going to win and if they can shut down McCaffrey at all, chances are Pacheco's going to be the game's leading rusher So <laughs> if it's not McCaffrey. So, you know, it's not a you know real long odds or anything like that, but just kind of one I'm like, you know, if the Niners get too far behind and kind of abandon the run, there is a real chance Pacheco gets to, you know, the leading rusher. And he might not even need that many yards. We don't have that many 100-yard rushers at the Super Bowl anymore. Damian Williams uh, for the Chiefs actually uh, did it in that 2019 Super Bowl. He crossed 100 yards. So they're not completely averse to giving running backs the ball. And Pacheco's certainly better than Williams was. So I don't know. It's just kind of a flyer, but sort of an interesting one that jumped out to me. Um, if, you, if you think the game will play out where the Chiefs are kind of in control most of the time. I like that. It's specific to 49ers panic and <laughs> abandon the handing it off to McCaffrey. Um, these are great. I, I was going to say, I feel like a defensive touchdown, the odds should be better than plus 700, but I, your, your stats backed up why it is what it is, <laughs> is that it has happened more often than you would kind of remember uh, over the last decade of Super Bowls. That would be a fun one. I think you could still sneak in the under, Jace, with with the defensive touchdown. The Chiefs have not scored points in <laughs> really all season. They have won stupid games by scoring like 19 points per game. They could do it again, uh, and that would certainly be a comfortable under there. Um, as for Tim's picks, he gave a scenario that is very plausible, but I love the it all comes down to this for Moody, where... Tim is looking at potentially hitting Kelsey MVP, <laughs> Chiefs to win, and then Moody is lining up for a game-tying field goal with five seconds left, Holy and he misses. Oh. And then every, just everything comes together in one kick at the end of the game. I, I take it all back. The Super Bowl's great. <laughs> I loved it the entire time, the whole the whole shebang, yeah. Um, that's Yeah, that's all I have. Anything else, guys? Any other picks? Any other late? I think so we're all in agreement here. It's Chiefs money line at least or are you guys gonna maybe uh, lean to that two and a half cushion i'm taking the points might as well but yeah but like the chiefs are winning this football game so you might as well take money line anyway yeah that's uh, that's why i lean money line was just plus odds for a thing i think's gonna happen so i i guess two and a half yeah could protect you a little bit for sure last minute field goal something like that 
you saying this, uh, Antonio, about the Chiefs can't score <laughs> made me look. Any idea the last time they scored 30 points in a game? Do you have any guess? Was it a season ago? I <laughs> it was this season, but uh, it's a while ago now. No, I do not. No, I had no idea. November 26th, they beat the Raiders 31-17, to and they have not scored over 30 points in two, two and a half months. Uh, the team they were down, I believe, 14-0, too, yes, if they, I remember that game. They were down, yeah, that was the game in, in Las Vegas they were down. So, um, yep. <laughs> uh, I hate football. I hate the NFL. And I hate the Baltimore Ravens. Yep. Um, <laughs> but we'll be back next week to discuss it. All right. Well, that, I think that's going to do it for us then. Um, you know, enjoy this game to the listener as much as you can. Maybe make a few small prop bets to make it a bit more enjoyable. Listen to Usher. Enjoy enjoy the halftime. Um, try to avoid or lean into how many times they show Taylor Swift in the game. I wonder if there's a prop bet. Does Taylor Swift make a surprise appearance at halftime with Usher? Like, feet feet taylor swift yeah. for one of the songs i've been wondering that because that's gotta be that's gotta be like a 10 to 1 not even that not long <laughs> just just 10 to 1 but depending on who you are you know avoid the shots at taylor swift in, in the in the box or or press pause when it does happen enjoy the commercials that'll be fun that i i like that usually the commercials have been bad for years though <laughs> like this is a debate we can have in next week's show but like i feel like they haven't been because everybody's streaming now so they don't think about commercials anymore and they're just not as good but yeah step it up commercial game we need you we need you this year more than any other year we need a strong commercial game that don't feature travis kelsey and patrick mahomes i want to die now we need a Larry David saying that crypto is the yes. worst and not something we should be investing in. Yes. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for sticking with us uh, through the, dare I say, through the first half uh, of this episode. You know, we're still processing. We're digesting. Um, and by, I don't know, April, by the draft, we'll maybe be a little bit uh, more positive about, about where we are with, uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. For Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. Enjoy. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. We will see you next week. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.